And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellow in the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being served. This is God's word. Remain standing. We're going to go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you as people who are humbled by your grace. We come to you admitting our need for you, Lord, admitting that we are not smart enough to understand your ways. Uh, We're not loving enough to just be like you. Uh, We need you, Lord, to work in our hearts, to make us new, and then to continue to perfect the work you're doing in us, Jesus. And so we we agree as a body uh, that you are everything. And we come to you and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open up the word and you would bring glory to Christ, that you would allow the word to speak and that we would listen. We would sit under the authority of your scripture and not above it. Give us the strength to apply your word and uh, to not take offense, but to rejoice as you reveal to us who we are not and our need for Christ. We also pray as a covenant community, Lord, that you'll be gracious to me as uh, you've given me the opportunity to shepherd in this way. Would you fill me with your spirit and allow me to speak your words? Uh, I don't want to get up here and say things um, in my flesh, Lord. I want to lead your people astray. And so uh, when there's a tendency for me to revert to that, Lord, would you be gracious to just guide me in that way? Would you be gracious to supernaturally turn me another direction for your glory? We pray that through uh, the leadership you've given me, Lord, that this body would be encouraged, uh, would be spurred on toward love and good deeds, and it wouldn't be by us, but it would be informed by your truth. May we rejoice in this opportunity uh, that we get to worship you in. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated, guys. Let's continue to worship Christ through our time of training. Uh, if you're new to Mac Ave, we go through books of the Bible. We're going to jump right on in here and get ready to rock. If you uh, need a Bible, raise your hand. Pastor Leon is passing those out, I think. Yep. And uh, we got some crayons and stuff for our kids to make sure that they are um, able to maybe draw some stuff that we're doing with the sermon and things of that sort. So please raise your hand. We always like to encourage you to bring your Bible um, and if you do not have one, to talk to us if you need, um, if you need help getting one, uh, or you can always use these in the back. But we do want you to uh, get used to uh, con- uh, connecting with the Lord and from the framework of Scripture and getting used to diving in in the Scriptures, okay, guys? So we just want to, um, as we're going through the text, wanting you to be reading the Word and seeing where it is and, and getting used to... Uh, to exposit and text yourself, okay? That's our heart. Uh, we're going through the books of Acts. We go through books of the Bible in order that, uh, first of all, we just think that just makes sense. Uh, God has given us the whole Bible, and so we want to read the whole Bible. Um, 
Also, just practically, um, left unto ourselves, we would stay in those safe places. Y'all know how we are. Even in your quiet times, right? You find yourself always reverting back to those places where you feel like you, you connected with the Lord or you get good stuff, right? And you find yourself, you know, not knowing where, you know, four of, of the minor prophets even are because we don't like to go to those weird places. And so what we're trying to do as a local body is to reject that and just kind of find ourselves just going through the scriptures and, um, and just tackling what God's whole word is. And our heart is as a body, we'll eventually go through the whole Bible and have exposited every passage in the Bible. Um, that's our goal. Um, and then when we're done, we just want to do it again. Um, and we'll keep doing it until we die or Jesus comes back. So that's all, uh, right? We'll expose the scriptures and preach, the, and preach the gospel in the community and to each other. Um, so Acts is where we are. We encourage you to go to um, go online and listen to the uh, past sermon so you can be um, on this moving train. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 2. A lot has happened. If you have not been here, hopefully you'll still be able to grab hold, but do want to encourage you to look at, listen to some of the past sermons so you can be acclimated on where we are because it's very important. So basically, in a nutshell, uh, what you have is you have Luke and Acts starting, right, as, as one book, encouraging Theophilus, right? So basically, that's what he's doing, Luke, and then he's encouraging Theophilus, but he's also um, uh, doing that in the sense of encouraging him on the life and works of Jesus Christ. So he's trying to encourage this man who's a very powerful Greek uh, leader, hey, that Jesus is the best, Jesus is everything, and I'm trying to help you see that through as you look at his life. Um, and then what we see is um, uh, the, the, the book of uh, Luke and actually Acts uh, being, being authored by one author uh, actually kind of intersects uh, between the beginning of, of Acts and the end of Luke. Uh, as the narrative is actually continuing. And so we talk a lot, a lot about that in the beginning of the sermons, how it talks about the, uh, the beginning of Jesus' works actually in Acts, which is really cool because you think, well, Jesus died, he done. No, but his works begins uh, and continues through the local church. Uh, so Jesus, what happens um, as he's writing those accounts, we see that Jesus rises from the dead. He reveals himself um, as king, right? And as he reveals himself as king, he actually reveals his mission as well uh, to the people, to, these, to this remnant of people who are going, wow, Jesus. We, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were all down and out in the dumps. We went fishing. We kind of kind of gave up. You rise from the dead. You reveal yourself to us, which validates you as not only being of our Savior, but our Lord. And so we're like, wow, we get to roll with you. And so Jesus says, yes, I'm going to give you this mission, this mission to make worshipers that this whole world should see what you see, right? So if you're a Christian right now, our goal is that the whole world will see what you see, that Jesus is everything, that your whole life is because of him, and that we live a life of worship to God, right? But he says, you can't just go out and do it because I told you you're going to need power to do it and you're going to need power to accomplish this mission that I've given you. So what he does is he fills his believers with the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, he fills his believers with the Holy Spirit, obviously, to accomplish the mission, but also in filling with the Holy Spirit, we see the beginning of something that's, uh, that's very important in the New Testament, and that is God showing that one of the reasons he died on the cross was to unify all people, right, to, for us to have unity and diversity. Uh, so he does that in, in, in the beginning of Acts, and then he reminds all those people who have ears to hear uh, through the preaching of Peter uh, to hear what God is showing uh, through these acts because they get filled with the Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. Uh, there's a huge festival going on. All the guys are, are hearing these sounds of wind. They go and they try and see what's going on. They see these men who are unlearned Galileans speaking in these tongues and speaking in the languages that they have that are from all over the place, Assyria and Babylon and Persia. And they're going, how are these guys knowing those languages? is because Jesus is showing he's poured out his spirit on all flesh. 
So then Paul, Peter says, hey, this is documented in Scripture. You see he's talking about this in the book of Joel. So you can write that down. You can look at the book of Joel where he talks about in Joel chapter 2. He was going to do these things. And then the life of Jesus and the fulfillment of the Old Testament, uh, Peter try, tries to go there and show, hey, the reason why this is happening, because you see the life of Jesus, what he did, and the fulfillment of the Old Testament lets us understand that actually this Lord Jesus that we've been talking about, he's actually the Lord and Savior. So he basically preaches the gospel to these people. That the reason why this is happening because the Jesus that you killed actually is God. They're like, oh my goodness, we killed God. That's not cool. So the Jews begin to say, well, we got to face the reality that we were enemies of God uh, without Christ. We killed God. Wow, Jesus was God, but he wasn't just Savior. He's Lord. Peter, if this is true, what should we be doing? Their hearts were cut to the quick. The scripture said, what should we be doing if this is all true? And Jesus, um, through, uh, through Peter, begins to preach the gospel. Basically, Peter says, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to repent of your sin, right? You need to, you need to trust God for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells him to repent and trust Jesus, okay? So that's where we are. He tells these guys, he shares the gospel so clearly, he tells them to repent and trust Jesus. And so now the question is, um, did they listen? Well, it says that 3,000 of them came to Jesus, Right. So a bunch of them did. A bunch of them said, man, we want to give our lives to Christ. And so uh, 3000 are added to the number uh, who are who are in the midst of all this. And now we are in this week where we have after 3000 comes to Jesus. Now what's happening and what we begin to see this week, guys, we guys, we're going to see basically the people of God being formed. So this is really, this is going to be really fun. We get to see the people of God and what's happening being uh, being formed. And the question I want you to be asking yourself because this is a very interesting passage, it's a very famous passage. And a, and a lot of times this passage is talked about from the perspective of, like, what does it look like to be, um, like, an awesome church, right, in a nutshell. And, and sometimes we can balk at that because we can feel kind of like the, the passages uh, that we're used to this passage. But I hope, hope we can gain, hopefully, a fresh view as we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so I want to take us through the passage. And I don't know if I'm—I I do feel that Luke had a specific reason why he focused in on this. And I think his whole point was basically— I don't know if I'm trying to write doctrine, but I want you to understand something. The early church was formed in this fashion, and this is how they rolled. This is what they did. And so now we can take some implications of that if we're wise. Okay? So let's leave it at that, and then we can kind of see what happens when the, when the Lord forms this, uh, this early church. Okay, guys? So if you can uh, turn to that passage and get ready to rock with me. It says in verse uh, 42, so they, these guys come to Christ. 3,000 people get saved. This church begins to form. And then they do a few things that seem to be kind of uh, of, 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 of an implication of health. It says in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All right, before we begin, I want to just pause on this whole piece of devoted, something that is kind of assumed by you and me, and it's assumed by these first century Jews and Jewish Christians. But I want to make sure we get this. So when we talk about devoted, why does he, why does he start with it? Why does he start there, I would, I would say? We can think, well, is this, he's just trying to say a word. I think he's trying to help us see something as far as the importance of family. First, devoted means, if you're devoted, that means you're continued steadfast, right? You, you're basically immovable, firmly fixed in a place, Right? You have a strong love for that thing in which you're devoted for, okay? Here's what I propose that is just kind of normative. This just kind of makes sense, but I want to make sure we get this. That basically what he's saying is that 
that what we're reading right here, this is what saved people look like. That's his point. It's, it's, it's just, it just, this is what saved people look like. Saved people are devoted to Jesus. Now, our culture tells us that's, you know, that basically when you're super, super devoted, that's kind of Jesus elective. Right? That's Jesus 301 or something. I want to propose to you, I want to continue to fight that notion that no, it's how you enter college. That devotion to Christ is not an elective. It's not like when you really, really serious. You're not you get saved and then you really, really get serious. I want to propose to you, and that's, and that's why we, when we look at the Great Commission, we don't really, we, we kind of, we don't know how to relate to it. Because here's the point of the Great Commission. Look at what Jesus says in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. What he says there, think about, think about the demands he gives there. Think about the demands he gives in Luke 14. You know what Jesus assumes when you say you, love, you want to walk with Jesus? He assumes that you and I are all in. He assumes that you are all in. That's why he would tell these people, go make disciples of all nations, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you from the end of the age. That's why he tells them in Acts 1, you're going to be preaching my gospel all over the world. Because there's an assumption, devotion. The assumption is that you're all in. So I just, I, I know that, well, yeah, of course. But really think about that. Because when you say in evangelical America, I don't know if that's necessarily the norm. It's not an elective, guys. And I think it would be hard-pressed to find it being an elective in the scriptures. For example, um, in John 8, I just like this passage here. John 8, 29, verses 29 to 31, he says, this is Jesus talking, right? Talking about him and the Father and the relationship. And he says, and he who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. This kind of verbiage we'll see all, th- all throughout uh, the Gospels. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And, and check it out, guys, in verse 30, it says, And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And check this out. Many believed in Jesus, right? And then he says to these guys, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Well, dang, Jesus, I just told you we believe in you. And he's he talking about if. You're giving if clauses. What's up with that? Because... The reality is, people who say, I'm a Christian, they are devoted to God. just want to pause on that devoted word. And what I want to propose here, guys, is when you look at this whole piece of, of what they did, this early church, uh, I think this speaks to us of important step of healthy community, understanding the importance of devotion, understanding that these guys love the Lord, uh, is that I said an important step to healthy community is determining family intimacy versus intimate ministry. Now, here's what I mean by that. We're on mission for Jesus. This community, I think we, we got to pause on this. This is very important. We're on mission for the Lord and our community, okay? And what can happen, what I love about what we see here um, in, in Acts is we see them starting out by modeling and showing that the family of God was intimate, that the family of God was important, that the family of God was primary, that the, that the people came to Christ and they connected and they kind of got their identity and they loved each other, right? You see that primary, all right? But we're going to see ministry soon. But I, and I always try to talk about this in our body, that, that although the, we, we can even say in Christianity, like, no, we, we get saved, we want to be a family, but it's really about going out saving the lost, saving the lost, 
want to propose, and we can come, sometimes have the value of the unbeliever, right? We can kind of say, Man, I want to be about care for the unbeliever, and we can kind of leave our Christian brothers and sisters to the side. And I want to propose to you that's theologically irresponsible, that the Bible teaches something that's assumed in the scriptures, but then you're going to see it throughout the epistles, that is the family of God is actually primary. That you care for your brother and sister here that loves Jesus, I dare say, is more important than you just sharing your faith. That having a healthy family, God sees as primary. Look at Revelation. Look how he talks about, here's why. The unbeliever, he saves us, but God so loves the world. He loves the unbeliever, absolutely. But I want to propose to you, he loves the family of God, and unbelievers are actually enemies until they come to Christ. This can kind of rub us the wrong way. But I want us to understand how the Father sees the family of God. Now, I say that because in our body where we're sharing our faith, caring for people, we're neighboring. And what we can do, because we have, we do that all within a community. And we do it like in intimacy, in a sense like we're, we're having mad groups and we're inviting people to things. And we're, and we're having like this intimate ministry because we're doing it all together. But the question is, are we having family intimacy? You follow me? We can be intimate in our ministry to this community and still not have family intimacy. Still not like each other. Still not know each other. Still not be relationally connected and trusting each other. We could be out together as one family sharing our faith and still not trust each other. You see that? And I want to propose what you see here is we're going to see a sense of internal health that breathes external ministry. And in my prayers, I hope that will be the case for us as a local community. So that's not even jumping into the words yet. So, but I want to propose to you, family intimacy is so important, especially for what we're about, guys. So that's just what it seems to be the, uh, the umbrella in which all this is laid on. Now let's go ahead and jump into the text. So he says... Um, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And like, here's what's, here's what's happening here. I want to propose to you that verse 43 through 47 is almost an exposition of verse 42. So it's almost, he kind of, he's kind of saying, hey, so they did the, they, 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 they devoted themselves to prayer, they devoted themselves to fellowship, and it kind of looked like this, dot, dot, dot. So let me prove it to you. So, so basically, 43 through 47 is kind of the exposition. It's kind of the, 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 the big picture of what 42 looks like, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to bounce through each one, and we're going to see it through the rest of the text, okay? So, for example, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, okay? He says in verse 43, And awe came upon every soul. I want you to remember the word awe. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So he talks about the sense of like basically the apostles' influence, the apostles' ministry. So I want to propose that's kind of the, the exposition of this whole sense of they were devoted to the things of the apostles. So the apostles were teaching. So I don't even think it was just that one sign that we saw when they spoke in tongues. It seems like they were doing signs and wonders and they were teaching. And so this basically the apostles' influence um, was basically allowing them to go, wow, there's, they had this awe. Now, when you think of awe, um, it's hard to talk about awe because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to share a brief story and then I'll, and I'm going to close it and then we're going to hopefully go back to awe in the end of the, our time together. I just remember, have you ever been in awe? I mean, not idol worship or anything, but you know, there's people that, you know, just they change the, they come in a room and, and things change. 
right? Like the way you hang with me, if, if President Barack Obama came in here, right, you wouldn't just say, what's up, B, right? You wouldn't say that, right? Right? You'll be like, wow. Or, or think of a guy that you really, really respect. I mean, for me, uh, I remember the first time uh, Dr. Robert Coleman, who wrote Master Plan of Evangelism, uh, he's, wrote mil- uh, he's, he's sold millions and millions of books, a uh, very humbble guy. When I was in seminary, I had an opportunity to meet him and be his TA. But I remember the first time I saw him, because his book was so influential in my life when I was in college, uh, I read Master Plan of Evangelism. And I remember going to, uh, uh, we, we have these like chapels, and I remember him being there. He had just came to the campus. And I remember uh, going up and meeting him, and just it was a sense of like, wow, dude, like I'm meeting a dude who sold like 35 million books. Like, this is crazy. And the Lord has used tremendously all over the world for Jesus. And I'm watching this humble 80-year-old dude with deep humility driving away in like an old Buick car and living in, in, living in student apartments with us and his wife. And I'm going, thinking, dude, where are all your cheese at? Where your money? You know? He gave, it, he gave it away. Guys, 35 million books. <laughs> he gave it all away. And he's living in married student housing with me and Sarah. We broke. She's like put me through seminary. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And, I, and it was like an awe. That's, that's absolutely nothing compared to what, what God is saying. He's in, in, a, in a nutshell, he's saying that they begin to see... Like, man, these guys were teaching the oracles of God. They were seeing miracles. They were seeing these guys not point to themselves, but they were pointing to God. And all of a sudden, these guys had a certain reverence. That, that their awakeness of Jesus and their goodness of Jesus was like, oh, my goodness, God is real. God is doing things. And out of that awe, out of that, wow, that worshipful attitude, like, look at the good works of God, were all these other things happening. Specifically, them submitting to the apostles' teachings. So we first see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the things of God, right? Um, secondly, we see them devoting themselves to fellowship. In verse, and I would say the fellowship piece is exposited, or you see that blown up in verses 44 and 45. So he talks about fellowship in verse 42. You see it brought out in 44 and 45. Look what it says. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. <laughs> you see that? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, so what was Luke thinking about when discussing fellowship? I mean, what do you think when you hear fellowship? What do you think when you hear fellowship? Right. You think, you think fellowship, you think like dinner halls, right? You think of, you know, everybody sitting around eating food, right? Or something like that. Um, the word means common. Uh, koinonia. You guys have heard that word. You know, a lot of fellowship halls are called koinonia, or you see a koinonia ministry, right? Um, the word means common. It's like basically the whole point is having all things in common. So to flesh out the word clearly, right, is to, is to, um, to have all things in common and even relations to Jesus. So it's not like a bunch of Christians just hanging together, but it's basically hanging together in common with Christ. That's the whole point of fellowship. And now what happens in verses 44 and 45, and don't miss this, he's explaining fellowship. But, you know, there's a lot of ways you can have fellowship. But I think it's interesting that when talking about the fellowship of the saints, he starts by giving this as his primary example. And that's the example of sacrificial service. Do you see that? That the key indicator of these guys being together and having all things in common was sacrificial care, the key indicator of cohesiveness, right? That these guys, at some point, something happened where they didn't see themselves as having private property. 
You see that? They all just thought this is all ours. No one said this is my stuff. They gave in abundance. Now, if you're like me, I like my stuff. Um, and I've been very clear and public about that. And I struggle with, I, I think I can struggle with greed left into my flesh. And when I read these, these texts here, I'm immediately thinking about the rest. I, I can rest in the fact that, okay, it's not, a, it's not a command. It's not a mandate. God has given me freedom, so I don't have to do it. Um, but I had to ask myself, and I want to ask you guys, why do you think when we read texts like this that we always try to find a way out or be defensive? Right? When someone starts telling you to give away your stuff, do you find yourself going there? Do you find yourself trying to figure out a way to show why we don't have to versus resting and wrestling and praying and asking yourselves, well, Lord, so I know there's freedom in Christ, but what are you asking me to do? And why do I feel so bent on making sure that I can protect my things? I know I do. I know I struggle with that. I wonder, do you guys struggle with that at all? See, it seems like we should pause, because I think about this night. Luke is telling this to who, guys? Theophilus, right? Theophilus is reading this. Theophilus is what? A very accomplished Greek leader, correct? What do you think Theophilus is learning when he's seeing these Christians selling their possessions, giving them to each other as everyone who had need? What do you think he's learning? <laughs> what do you think is being modeled to him? Right? He's learning how to live like a Christian. He's learning something very different than what they've taught him in this culture. You agree with that? Here's the point. Here's the point what's going on here with the sacrificial service where he's saying, I want to help you understand what fellowship is. You use all these other aspects. But right here, I want to focus on this sense of everyone having all things in common. And the way you see that is people having a sense of giving. And the point is this. Man, we got together. We're always in Jesus. And we just realized we're family. That's his point. We're family. And that how in the world can I sit in my abundance when someone is clearly in need and not help them as a family? Right? Material possession was just an example of the commonness they had, guys. But be clear, he's trying to help us see something. He's trying to teach us something about about what does it look like to be a family and experience fellowship. And guys, um, I can kind of put a few people on blast. I, I just think you guys, are, we're family. And it's not just material possessions, but it's our time, it's our talent, and it's our treasures. And so, hey, we all decided as a body to say we're going to, you know, I remember we first started a couple years ago. We said, I said, well, we're going to do service, right? And you guys said, Eric, look, we're going crazy. We need to see each other more. We're out here ministering. I need to see y'all. And we started service. We agreed as a local community that this service was important to continue to exalt the Lord and to make the gospel clear. But you know what? It's hard if we, if we don't see the service like a family should see the service, right? If we don't see the ministry of the gospel in our community like the family should see it. What do I mean? If we're not all carrying a burden, if we're not all carrying a burden, this becomes really difficult. The reason why they were able to do this, it wasn't because there was two really godly people giving all their stuff. It was because the community had all things in common. So I say that to say, guys, uh, can I just put some people on blast? For example, I don't even know what time they got here, but I know Ted and JD, they got here probably 5, 6 in the morning. They shoveled that whole area, right? The squirrels didn't eat that snow for y'all. Somebody shoveled it, right? Somebody shoveled that area. They come in here, they turn on the heat. They, all this stuff doesn't fly here. People put it up. 
Stuff in the hallway. Am I, and you, and you know, I'm your, I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just telling you the real. We're family, right? We're family. So I'm just saying, everyone's working hard. And you guys go, but you don't know how busy I am. I know how busy you are. We're all busy. Everybody busy. Everybody got kids falling out of there all over the place. We, we, we crazy. We get that. And I want to give you grace. Hear this. This is being expressed to you in, a, in an environment of grace. But please know that we're a family of God. And that all these things matter. And so I just want to encourage you. Ask yourself before the Lord. Am I doing my part in the family? Am I doing my part? Am I sitting and I'm just receiving, receiving? And man, I'm not involved and I'm not helping anybody do anything. Right? Or am I doing too much because no one else is doing anything? Or are we balancing this action? Where everyone's giving. Everyone's getting up early. Everyone's serving. Julie comes up and man, she helps lead hospitality. And has been bringing things from upstairs. I mean, I can go through the stories of so many stories of all you guys. Rachel's help. I mean, my goodness, I, I, I can't even count the things you've been doing, sis. And that's not, we, we, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, we all are family. And that they gave their stuff, but it's deeper than that. It's with every area of our life, guys. And I say that because we all want to be healthy. We all want to experience joy. We don't want anyone to burn out. It's only going to happen when we all say, let me just pause and see what I can do. And I'm gonna, we're going to trust each other. Okay? Yes, sis. Right, he's like, man. Right, he's like, can I get, can I get five hundred of that back or something? I knew that already. Hey, um, now here's the thing: if you're new to Mac Ave, you're not in discipleship. Thank you for coming. You are, you are, you are friends. You are neighbors. Enjoy. I'm not. I'm. You know what? Does the Holy Spirit lead you to want to do something cool? I'm, I am talking about our Mac Avers who are in discipleship. Who you said this is? I'm, I'm a member here. Okay, just want to make that clear. Um, Hey, now check this out. Here's what happens, because I'm, again, I struggle with this materialism piece. Some of you guys are really good at giving everything away. My wife's good at that. I struggle. I'm get, I've been getting better over this, this last decade. Um, here, <laughs> praise the Lord. Here's the, da- here's the danger of materialism. You know what's interesting? Luke, what he, uh, what, what he does, look at this. Isn't it interesting how much he talks about this sense of like how money can grab you and how you can get confined? So, uh, many, many of these uh, parables are solely um, just in Luke's gospel. They're not in the other gospels. Isn't that interesting? That we see that and then you look in Acts, he's still talking about it. I just think it's interesting that Luke, it was like the Lord wanted to use Luke and saying, hey, guys, trust me, man, you're going to struggle, want to keep your stuff, but man, hey, don't be like that. Don't be like the rich fool storing it all up and you're going to die tonight, right? And he goes through all these different parables. The reason why is because materialism, or I would say something even worse than, uh, worse than that, it just breeds itself from discontentment is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Why is discontentment such a dangerous sin, guys? Let me tell you, here's why. 
when one's discontent, um, and, and, and this is a struggle for all of us, right? And it's, here's what can happen. When you're discontent, what it does is it, you begin, to, when you say, man, I wanted this, I'm not getting it. it you begin to dilute your, your understanding of who Jesus is. Okay, so, so, you, so your worth of Jesus kind of minimizes. When you feel like Jesus didn't come through, then it, it minimizes. And then because you don't think he's the one who can come through for you, you now take your eyes off him. You see that? So Jesus is our big God. But then when you go, man, you let me down, you kind of go, is he, is he as big as I thought? Now, all of a sudden, your gaze goes somewhere else. When you put your focus on or whatever the put, put your focus on in or question mark, whatever it is in your life, you start putting your focus on that thing to fulfill you or to, to help you or to com- comfort you. Right. And then what happens is because you, you put your focus on those things, now you begin to breed selfishness. And then now out of that selfishness, you have idols. You slowly repra- replace Christ. This is what I do. This is what we do when our Jesus becomes small. And we don't want to be erecting idols in our body. We know that, right? Um, here's the antidote, though. There's an antidote. We don't, we don't have to be discontent. And we, the antidote is gratefulness, right? Is that if you don't want to be discontent, if you struggle with that, you find yourself judging, always trying to find a cup that's half empty, people need a hook, right? That's all discontent. You're just trying to get your needs met from external uh, realities, right? But gratefulness. Well, how, how do you breed gratefulness? And I've seen this. This is practically, I've seen this in our body. This has happened practically in my life family. I'm convinced um, one of the ways you fight discontentment and you see God ushering great gratefulness in your heart first, God has to do it, right? God has to work in your heart. But it seems like what I've seen by practical demonstration, and, I, and this is more theological too, you see it throughout scriptures in, in Colossians. We did Colossians, we saw it. And that is when you, when you surround yourself with an environment of people, right, who are about um, Giving away their stuff, right? They, they model gratefulness. They, uh, they model, they, they, they practice gratefulness by giving. When you put yourself in that environment, right? And then you yourself start to, act, to, to just demonstrate acts of giving, basically not being all about yourself. When you begin to sort of give of yourself and put yourself in an environment where you're seeing that be the model, the Lord begins to do something in your life where you begin to go, oh, the cup is half full, it's when, we, it's, when we sh- it's when we protect and we consume and we say, no, it's about me. And we navel gaze that it breeds the other. And it's when we open up and we be in, we, when we see other people preaching the, the true gospel. And then we begin to take steps of faith to give and steps of faith to be other-centered. It seems like the Holy Spirit does something. Does that make sense, guys? So I want to say environment is, environments of gratefulness and practices of giving seems that God uses those to breed actually contentment for us to go, oh, because when you start giving, you start seeing what you actually have. Now, in our community, it's messy because we got, you know, we got entitlement issues. We got we got to struggle with, hey. Do you just give people something because they need it? Because some people are, are bad with their money. They've, they've made bad choices. And we got to wrestle through all that. So I'm not asking you just to go out and be stupid. But what I am saying is that we need to wrestle with, are we discontent and why is that? And how do we preach the gospel in the midst of that to ourselves? Um, so he tells us, he, 
the apostles' doctrine. We devoted ourselves themselves to fellowship. Uh, then it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Look what he says now. Now, remember, he says that in verse 42. He seems to unpack that in verse 46. Look what he says. And day by day, we're talking breaking of bread, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see that? Now, many scholars believe that this was kind of the beginning of what you see as what we call the Lord's Supper, which you see in Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, where you had the the breaking of bread and the taking of the juice being the bookends to their meal. They had an actual meal and they would begin the meal with the one portion of the Lord's Supper and end it with the last portion. And where did they get this model? From their Savior. Right. So check the book. It's not like us. In the first century, they didn't have two little wafers. They actually did it. We just do that now because we're utilitarian that way and we like to make sure we maximize our time. These guys hung out. They, They kicked it. They had real wine. They drank some wine and they had some bread at the end. They said, this is our meal. Right. Um, here's the point here. When you look at verse 46, what's the point? The point is this. They bonded and they liked it. They liked each other. It talks about the meeting. Look what it says there. It, it seems like their meetings were frequent, guys. It wasn't just, right? We set up mandatory meetings. Now, here's the difference. We set up mandatory, and I think we do okay here. We set up mandatory meetings in our local community. That's what discipleship's for. That's what Matt Group's for, right? We set up these sort of these environments so that we can see the breaking of bread happen, but, you, but w- the way we desire and the way we know we have good communal health is when breaking of bread is happening outside those mandatory meetings. Because these guys, they, they got it. that they were, like, We all we got. And so they locked arms with those who were about what they were about. And they hung out. And they spent time together. And they did it intentionally. And they loved it. And it's where they got strength. And it was frequent. So they, they broke bread, they fellowshiped. They sat there and got in the word together, apostles' doctrine. And look what it says in verse 46. Um, I love this. So a lot of times you hear they talk, they prayed, right? But you, get, but you can't miss something here. You know what else they did? Look at the text. They didn't just pray. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Um, Praising God and having favor with all the people. You got that? What that mean? They do a ministry. Look, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, when you talk about this whole concept of uh, prayer, the, the Jewish prayer, right? I love the sense of like they still went to temple. Uh, they, t- they did their Jewish prayers, but now they, they understood the Christ event. So they would probably, the Christians would pray in light of the Christ event. Right, so they would add it, add it to their doctrine, like, oh, but, but Jesus, right, that's what they did. So they followed the Jewish model, but they talked about the Christ event. And notice what you have here in verse 46, which, what, again, is, is sort of blowing up verse 42, that ending piece of and prayed, right? Well, here, it's blown up a little more. Here's what they did there was intimate worship. You see what they're trying to show us here? Well, I talked about the family piece again, family intimacy versus intimate ministry. There's intimate worship. And a public witness. How do we know that? It's right here. They prayed. They broke bread together. They did that within their homes. But it also said, for some reason, they had favor with all people. That, that's, that, the favor with all people we know is clear. It's about all people who were around, even outside the camp, right? Those who weren't believers. Because now, and then we see many added to their number. You follow that? 
Well, how did the many get added to their number? Because they learned the gospel. Right? They had to, right? People don't come to Christ unless they hear the scriptures. Somebody told them about Jesus. So what you have here is you have intimate worship, growing together, being in relationship, being family, connecting, dealing with each other's sin, getting to know each other, right? Healthy environment where they like to be together. They're sharing their stuff. They're not concerned like, well, I shared too much this week. I didn't see you shared nothing. There was none of that, right? Right? You know, they were really modeling the Trinity here, right? I always say Jesus isn't mad and saying, well, the Holy Spirit didn't say hi this morning. I don't know. I think he likes you, Father, more than me. There's none of that stuff, right? It's like the, the Trinity is just a fireball of love, and they're never concerned about what the other one's doing because they, all, they know they got each other's back. In the same way, that's what these guys are doing. And so they had an intimate worship, but then they had a public witness, they were gaining favor with people, that people in their hood saw them hanging out, meeting in their homes, but then they were going out and they weren't dogging each other. They were celebrating Jesus. They weren't ashamed. They, hey, I'm from Mac Church, man. You should see what the Lord's doing in our church. It's awesome. I can't believe you didn't come. You should come. Are you kidding me? You're, not, you're missing it, man. You see what the Lord's doing in our community. God is here. He's risen. You want to hear about the Lord? You should come. You should, man, this is awesome. And so they were out there loving and they were showing the incarnational hand of the Lord. And they were caring for people and probably praying for people and getting the gospel conversations. And then people said, I like those MacAvers. They love us. They care for us. But, man, they love their people. They love their community. Those Christians love each other. Can I hear more about that? Sure. Let me tell you about Jesus. See, I was, I, was, I was selfish, and I was all into my own stuff. And then all of a sudden, I heard these guys, and they were speaking their own tongue. And I was like, what's going on here? And I realized that, that Jesus Christ, remember that dude who died? Well, actually, he rose from the dead, and actually, he's king. And what he did was he saved the world from their sin. And, and that if we can know him by just giving our lives to him, the Holy Spirit will fill us and change us and make us more like him. And, and he'll make us his son and his daughter. Do you want to know Jesus? You can be freed of your sin and freed of your wrath. And you can experience this grace, too. And you can be part of this covenant community. It says, actually, in the scriptures that you, you inherit houses and sons and daughters and fathers and mothers. And that's what I inherited. Because all of a sudden now, these people I didn't even know, I can go to their houses and I can get food, and they're praying for me, and they're standing up all night with my wife when she's sad, and it was just awesome. They say, well, I want to be part of that community. I want to be a part of that community. They love each other. They care for each other. They're enamored by God. They just love the Lord, and they're not backbiting, and they're preaching to God. I want to be part of that. This Savior must be real. That's what happened. Intimate worship. Fueled their public witness. It fueled it. So, their internal health, their internal health and joy, right? What it does, it breeds their gratefulness. It breeds the praise of Jesus. It breeds a gospel focus. And naturally, when you got all that, it breeds evangelism. When you enjoy each other and you enjoy your Savior and you're not thinking about all the things you need to have and who needs to be hooking you up, but you're just worried about hooking other people up. When the gospel is your focus, it just brings you. How you, how you cannot tell people about Jesus at that point? Now, all that happens, guys, back in verse 42, he starts, it, he starts with the word awe. I'm going to propose it doesn't happen because they had a bunch of rules or they said, you know, these are, the, these are the five things you do to be a healthy church. It started because they got a glimpse of Christ. 
they pursued Jesus, that they, their hearts were so in awe of the Lord. They were so filled with the joy of Jesus. They were so just blown away by what God was doing in their life and in the world that now their focus wasn't about themselves. And it gave them the opportunity to love each other, to be able to listen to teaching and not be like so suspicious, but say, no, I'm going to, this is what God said, I'm going to do it. To be able to be under leadership, to be able to care for each other and say, I'm going to give to you because I know you'll give to me. And just because the Lord has given this to me, here, here you go. They were able to do these things. They were able to fellowship and just like each other and care for each other and break bread and be in each other's home and unity and diversity. These were all the same people. They had stuff, but Jesus was bigger than their stuff. Awe. They had awe. It says awe came upon every soul. Awe. They were so just a gaze of like the love of Jesus. Wow. He's my king. Look what he's done for me and for you. That was the fuel. Verse 43 was the fuel. You see him say, oh, of everything else that happened. So, guys, it's very, it just seems that God is trying to show us that the new, this, this new Testament church that began, it happened when people began uh, just seeing Jesus for who he is, pursuing God walking with God, loving God, and all of a sudden uh, we see it happening uh, through, can you go to the last slide? We see it basically having this big, beautiful fireball approach. We see this is kind of the, it seemed like these were indicators of some good health, a good rhythm, right? Steady, gospel-centered teaching where doctrine, where you're, you're being trained up and what does it mean to, to see who God is and who you are in light of Jesus and who the culture is in light of Jesus and what you're called to be about because of Christ. Everything being about Christ, about Christ, about Christ. And because of Christ, because you're learning about Jesus and you're starting to fall in love with Jesus, now I can actually connect to my Alvins and I can connect to Frank and I can connect to Ted and Dee on different ways now. And now it's just not all this baggage because I'm focused on Jesus. And now it breeds fellowship. And then in that, we're hanging out, man. We're breaking bread and reminding ourselves that our Savior's coming. And we're kicking it, man. And we're just like, wow, God is good. And we're, 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 we're in each other's homes and we're consistent. And we're locking arms. And this is unity, right? We're praying together. We're seeking the Lord. And in that health, we're ministering the gospel. Um, we have a board. Is that board outside right now about our heart, about what we want to be about? We um, remember early, I, uh, one of my dear, dear friends really challenged me. You know, we've been talking here and not here and there about sharing our faith and making sure that, we, uh, that we're moving forward toward the vision. I don't know if you guys remember we talked about the vision. We haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. I share every week. I want us to be inviters. I want to see this place packed out because we're preaching the gospel. But he challenged me. He said, man, no, our vision, we said our vision was we want to see God multiply our mat groups, right, from 8 to 16. Right? Our vision, we want to see, I don't know how many people we said, what, 40 new people come uh, be in discipleship. That's still our vision. That's still our vision. Amen? Are we believing God for that? And so I, I want us to remember why we're here. We're here to enjoy the Lord primarily, to care and enjoy Jesus. And out of that flows a ministry that can't be stopped because it's fueled by Christ. It's fueled by Jesus. So my, my prayer for our body and your prayer for me is that we wouldn't be fueled by anything but Christ. But in Christ, as we're enjoying the Lord, God would allow us to be trusting, 
getting to know each other, building relationships. And so I just want to ask you, as you're, I'm asking you to trust each other, build relationships, lock arms with this body so that you can be about, hey, here's what we're doing at MacAv. As you're locking arms, as you're proclaiming the gospel, as you're making disciples, as we're doing those things, I just want, to, I want you to be asking yourself individually, where am I or if I am I hindrance in any of these areas? How am I doing in these areas? How am I doing as I'm doing my part to be a communal expression of God's grace? I don't think it's, I, I, I believe the Lord, Carolyn, that we can see God by Easter just allow all of our neighbors to be in this place. Where we're, we're singing songs and their kids are being cared for in child care and they're being taught by our crew. And the gospel's being preached, not only in teaching and training time, but in your lives, in this place, where they get to see what those people saw. They saw a community of believers being different than what they saw in their, in their whole entire life. They were used to selfishness and backbiting and people's consuming. And all of a sudden, they saw people giving and, being, and believing the best and caring. That's, that's my prayer for us. Will you believe the Lord with me? That we'll see this place filled with our neighbors. Filled with our neighbors. Filled with our neighbors. Let's pray. What we're going to do is this. We're going to pray together.